this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Kimberly Smith, a partner and co-chair of the Mergers and Acquisitions and Private Equity Practice at law firm Catton. This summer, Catton published a report about private equity activity in the animal care sector based on a survey of both private equity investors as well as animal care operators. It's a topic I wrote about in the last issue of our magazine, and so I'm very interested to learn more about the impact of COVID on this sector and what the survey findings hint at for the future. Kim, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Katie. Great to be here. Through my reporting, it became clear that private equity has been interested in animal care businesses for some time now. This is not a a new phenomenon So maybe to start, can you describe what some of the characteristics are that draw investors to this space? Why do they like it? Well, you're absolutely right about that. The interest of financial investors in animal care is by no means a new phenomenon. At Catton, we've been handling a steady stream of these deals really for over 12 years now, working on a wide variety of transactions for a wide variety of participants in the industry including many private equity investors and their portfolio companies. As it relates to the provision of care to animals, whether that is general, specialty, and or emergency care, we've handled the acquisition or divestiture of hundreds of vet practices, ranging in size from single vet clinics or hospitals to national vet platforms. And we've done it in nearly every, if not every state in the US. We've also handled numerous other transactions involving the pet industry, such as, for example, grooming and boarding facilities, veterinary compounding pharmacies, and more. So in terms of what is driving the private equity interest, I would say that animal care offers many of the qualities that investors find appealing in human health care. The right targets can provide good recurring revenue, low risk, and compelling valuations. And the synergistic benefits to be derived from a buy and build strategy in general can work very well in the animal care context, just like in a human healthcare one. But veterinary on the whole can be even better. It's subject to relatively light regulation as compared to human healthcare and is primarily a cash business without the same reimbursement risk that can be present on the human side. And these factors have led some to refer to investments in animal care as healthcare light. And in terms of product development, the research and development process is generally shorter and less expensive for animals as compared to humans, with less pressure from generic pharmaceuticals. And then finally, I would add, you know, layered in with those characteristics of the model is the overall growth in the market as consumer trends are leading people to spend ever-increasing amounts on animals, including the so-called humanization of pets. So I think there also remains a sense that there is still significant opportunity on the technology side, as many of the vet practices work to catch up with human healthcare in areas such as telehealth, practice management, patient engagement, and electronic health records, among others. And this report came out in July, so it it really reflects how investors and operators were feeling in the early days of COVID. 
Did the findings show any changes in how private equity is approaching investments in the sector compared with maybe how they were coming in historically? Our report told us a number of things about the current private equity thinking on investments in animal care. First, it confirmed the basis of what makes animal care an appealing investment along the lines of what we just discussed, low-risk pipelines, the cash nature of the business, and short R&D periods. The report also showed that the top two catalysts driving investments in the sector are current valuations and opportunities for organic growth, followed next by the continuous growth of pet ownership. Interestingly, we were just about to launch our survey right when the COVID-related shutdowns had just occurred. Most private equity deals across all industries were dying or going on hold while investors and lenders scrambled to understand and respond to what was happening. There was great fear and uncertainty in the deal markets and the world at large. It just didn't seem like the right time to ask people to spend time sharing their views on these particular investments. So we decided to push pause on the survey and it ended up without question being the best course of action for a number of reasons, including that by waiting, we were able to get a pretty unique look at the impact of the pandemic. When we ultimately launched the survey in May, Two-thirds of the private equity respondents said that their outlook on animal care had been either very positively or somewhat positively impacted by the pandemic. And 90% of them either strongly agreed or somewhat agreed that animal care is an attractive private equity investment target. And 71% expect to see an increase in private equity transactions in the area over the next year. I thought it was interesting, too, how you also surveyed animal care business operators. They responded to the survey, and I think it was 61% said they're now more open to private equity investment since February 2020. 53% were somewhat more open, and 8% were significantly more open to it. Is that, is that reflective of their capital needs during the pandemic, or is there something else driving that change in their feelings toward the private equity asset class? Capital needs during the pandemic may very well be an important factor. In any given case, there could be a number of other factors in play as well. We have seen some recent situations where practice owners that pre-COVID were holding out to see if they could get another turn or two with more growth have now decided that it's the time to sell. I mean, look, running a vet practice is complicated and it becomes more so with growth. Sometimes founders end up selling in order to just finally get a break and get back to their true passion of treating animals. For some, dealing with the pandemic fallout, I think, has accelerated that fatigue that can drive them to the market perhaps more quickly. And bringing in institutional money provides not only capital, but also the resources and efficiencies that come from the experience of owning and managing these organizations on a larger scale. We're also seeing sellers that want to get a deal done in the current tax year in light of the possibility that a Biden victory in November could result in a much greater tax hit to a sale in subsequent years. A lot of our listeners are are coming from a private equity investment standpoint, 
And one of the questions in the survey, you ask operators about what they want to hear from PE investors that are pitching them. So can you talk about what some of their insights were there, what they want to hear during these pitch sessions? The responses from operators on what they value in a private equity partner varied, but there was definitely a common theme, which was this, knowledge of the veterinary industry. You know, that said, we did hear from one respondent that not every hospital can operate the same and investors should be willing to take risks with specific ideas from the team about what works with their current client base. Another one said that it was important to take proper care of the staff that helped build us to where we are and that our business sells experience and relationships, not medicine. So it seemed to be a mix of looking for that cutting edge knowledge of the industry and how to grow the business, but also a recognition that the the founders and the management team have significant value to add to the equation as well. What are the greatest opportunities for private equity in the animal care space right now? And and have those either changed over time or or because of the pandemic? You mentioned technology earlier and some of the ways in which this industry is catching up to human health care. So I wondered if you can talk about some of those aspects. Sure. On the technology side, there's definitely a trend where technology products are are becoming more prevalent and have a lot of potential for revenue growth. I mean, the market for such products is growing and includes things like devices that play music designed to calm pets, translation devices allowing owners to be more attuned with their pets' needs, treadmills for dogs, sunglasses for cats and dogs, pet (laughs) fitness trackers, the list just goes on and on. But notwithstanding the tremendous potential on the technology side, when you look at our survey results for all respondents, the provision of care, the therapeutics and diagnostics represent what people saw as the greatest investment opportunity, at least over the next two years. And I think that's because pet ownership is so prevalent and is becoming increasingly more so. There are simply more pet owners who want to find out what's wrong with alien pets and they're willing to pay for that treatment. And not only do they want to know what's wrong with their alien pets, but also how to prevent issues in the first place. Our respondents emphasize that the opportunity they see in therapeutics and diagnostics relates to a broader consumer interest in preventative wellness. It's interesting you mentioned the so many new pet owners. I feel like even just over the last month, walking around my neighborhood, the number of puppies I've seen in the park or, you know, walking down the block is a a marked increase from, you know, certainly from six months ago. I think that's right. And in fact, your anecdotal experience is certainly supported by the data. I mean, pet ownership has increased as a result of people being home during the pandemic. And, you know, we've, we've talked about how much interest there is in this space predating COVID, but during the crisis as well. Now that animal care is on the radar of so many investors and has proven itself to be a relatively recession-resistant space and, and all of the points that you outlined of, of why it's attractive, have you seen prices tick upward as more investors look to get involved here? 
For private equity funds who are out there in the market looking to buy animal health practices would tell you, yes, valuations have increased over the past few years. And that's a typical occurrence in a sector with increasing interest and consolidation. I mean, just look at dental or dermatology or physical therapy on the human side. Part of the challenge is that the large platforms end up trading at very high multiples that get leaked out into the marketplace and have an impact on seller expectations at all levels, including way down the market. But just because a platform with 80 locations just sold for 12 times, that doesn't mean that the right value for a practice, a fraction of that size, is anywhere close to that. But right now, we've seen basically a full resumption of activity among private equity players in the space in terms of implementing and pursuing their add-on strategies. And there doesn't seem to be much difference in pricing now relative to pre-COVID levels. I'm curious to know if any of the findings in the survey surprised you, you know, based on your own experience and what you've observed anecdotally among the clients you work with. Was there anything here that you were a little surprised to see? Well, initially, we weren't sure what the impact of the shutdowns and the recession would be on the general and specialty vet practices. So we were pleased to see the results coming in that private equity not only remained bullish on the space, but had become more so. Veterinary practices had ended up being deemed essential businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic, which has bolstered the perception of these businesses being somewhat recession-proof. Therefore, some have said that COVID-19 has made animal care an even more attractive investment. And you mentioned that, you know, originally the survey was slated to go out. You had to postpone it because of COVID. Um, you know, it, it came out in July, but given how fast things are evolving in 2020, do you feel like these findings are still reflective of the market? Or do you think we'd see different responses in at least some of the categories or to some of the questions that you asked if we were to survey the same investors and, and operators today? So I mentioned before that, over 70% of the private equity respondents expect PE investments in animal care to increase during the next year. I think it's also worth noting that over a third of that group think the increase in activity will be by over 10%. That's a pretty big jump. And you know what? I think that today the bullishness might be even greater for a couple of reasons. First, the overall deal market is in a better place now than what we were seeing in May. Many investors that were sitting on the sidelines a few months ago are now looking to get back in the game or have already jumped back in with both feet. I wonder if perhaps the more prevalent uncertainty in the general market when a survey was conducted served to temper some of the enthusiasm for the space. And for example, one of our respondents noted back in May that it was unclear as to how distancing and safety measures would impact productivity. By now, there's better visibility into those issues, although, of course, plenty of uncertainty remains. Um, I'd also point out that since the survey was conducted, more investments in the space have been announced, including in specialty vet, technology, and pharma, 
further validating the investment thesis and showing that the likes of the Carlyle Group, which made a pharma investment, still believe in the space. So where do we go from here? What does the, the future of private equity involvement in the animal care space look like? Sometimes I wonder if to those watching the space, it seems like there's been so much consolidation in the sector um, that the, there can't possibly be any quality targets left to go acquire. And so it actually was quite surprising to me when I heard that there are still around 90% of veterinary practices in the U.S. that remain independently owned. So there are plenty of targets still available. And I think that we'll see private equity investors and other acquirers continue to aggressively chase them. Unless, of course, things significantly deteriorate from here and the bottom falls out of the M&A market. Um, but for now, we are very busy in the space, which, of course, is just the way we like it. All right, we'll close there. But it's been so great to talk to you, Kim. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at acg.org. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.